Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, our focus will be verse 10. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10 this morning and probably refer to the entire section of chapter 2, 1 through 10. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, we learn with great clarity in the Bible the importance of grace and faith and what those are and the necessity of good works, which will be our focus this morning. We see that grace and faith precede good works, and yet good works are expected and prepared for us by God. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, the Word of God says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you talk to people around Gulfport about the Christian life or about Jesus Christ or about following Jesus, I I typically just try to open up the conversation with, you know, are you following Jesus Christ? Are you a Christian? And, and one of the things you'll find about this area is that almost everyone, or probably about 80% of the population seemingly, will at least say that they're a Christian. This is, this is the common response. And, and then as you, you talk a bit more about, well, what does your Christian life look like? Or what church are you a part of? You find out quickly. First of all, you'll meet a lot of people who are Baptists that aren't going to church. And secondly, just my observation's been that a lot of people, they view faith or they view grace or they view the Christian life kind of like a ticket. Well, I've had faith. I've got my ticket. I'm good to go. Yeah, I've gotten, I've, of course, I'm, I'm, I've got grace. I've got my ticket. I'm good to go. But it seems like they're passive or apathetic toward obedience. Uh, and, and typically unconcerned about worshiping God, not involved in doing good works. So there are varieties of confusion relating to salvation. There's the confusion that my works are the way that I get grace. That by doing something, God will accept me and save me. And that's one error that we, and that's, we looked at that and talked about that last time. And verses 8 and 9 make very clear that you're saved by grace through faith. And, and then how you're not saved. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then the, the other error that we commonly find in our area is this idea of, why well, I had faith. And then kind of, that's it. That's it. Now, we need clarity about the gospel and salvation, about grace and faith, and then we need passion for good works. And and just to give you a summary, when I say salvation, let me explain what I mean. I mean the reality that every human being in and of themselves has has failed God because we're sinners. Every, Every person is separated from God because God is holy and all of us are sinful. In fact, Ephesians 2.1 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. 
And, and God is just. God is righteous. God always does what is right. And a being that is totally just and right must punish sin. It's kind of like the idea of, of uh, uh, essentially, if a, if a person in America commits a crime, the judge that they go before can't just let them off. That would be an injustice. Well, God is holy and utterly righteous, and, and every person sinned against him, so God can't just let everybody off. But the good news is God did something about that. Because God is merciful, and God is kind, so in kindness and mercy, God sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins. To, Jesus took the wrath of God that we deserve, the punishment we deserve. He took it upon himself. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised from the dead. And then the command to all people is turn from your sins to repent and trust Jesus to make you right with God. And that Jesus is the only one who can make you right with God. Now, the reason why God did that was because of his kindness, his, his love and his grace. And, and the way, the how you're made right with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. But the confusion comes in when people think, well, I've got, I do this, and then because I do this, then God gives me grace. And that's not the case. There's nothing you can do. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. So just very simply, in introduction, no good works produce salvation but salvation produces many good works. And you see that here. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not a, your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That works are not the reason for your salvation, but works are a result of your salvation. And, and salvation results in good works. That grace is not earned by good works, but grace empowers good works. Grace and faith are the root, and good works are the fruit. We see this in our passage today, especially the place of good works. And first of all, recognizing again what we are. First of all, to, to have clarity about salvation, we recognize we're patterned by God. Look at verse 10, we're patterned by God. For we are His workmanship. Salvation is not of works so that no one can boast, but now he's going to go on and explain the place of works where his workmanship, his workmanship. That word workmanship is a, is a word that refers to creating something, but it's more specific than just a general word create, right? We know God is creator. This is more specific. This is actually a word that means to craft something. It, it's a word that emphasizes the, the, the craftsmanship of the creator. That in the ancient world, this word was used to describe a work of art. Or it was used to describe an, an architectural achievement. If some building was beautiful and you look at the filigree work in the stone, this is the kind of word that would be used to describe that workmanship. And this is how we as the followers of God, we who have been saved, are described. We're his craftsmanship. We're his workmanship. And then look at the next little phrase that goes along with it and explains it. We're created in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 says a lot of things about how God saves us. It uses a lot of imagery. It uses a lot of description about how God saves us. And this is possibly and probably the strongest statement. When it says created 
in Christ Jesus. It uses literally the language of creation. We have this language of workmanship and now the language of creation to refer to us and our salvation and what we are now and what God has done. It pictures salvation as a work of creation. That in the Old Testament, this is one of the primary ways God is known. One of the primary ways God is revealed in the Old Testament is that He is the maker. He's the creator. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is how you know He's God. And that language here is now applied to you and your salvation as a Christian. He created you. Now, did he create you and everything else originally? Yes, but we're talking about salvation here. Salvation is now another creation. It is a new creation. It, it's similar to uh, John chapter 3. You find Jesus in this conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a very religious man. And Nicodemus expects that the religious things that he's doing, that's how he pleases God. And Jesus makes very clear to him, no, you must be born again. There's got to be a new birth. You've got to become a new person. A new creation. In Ephesians chapter 4, when we're being encouraged to live out our Christian faith, look at Ephesians 4.24. It says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That salvation here is expressed as a work of God's creation. Look also at 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is why, again, salvation is not just about God helping you. It's about God recreating you. It's about God making you something different than you were. It's a new creation. It's not something that we can do. It's something that God does, and it changes us. It changes us, and in this text, the change it brings about is good works in our life. And this is where so many people have an understanding of salvation that is reversed. And they think, well, if I can just do these things, then I'll be saved, which it's the opposite of that. I had a good friend that I worked with, just a great guy to work with, a great friend. And he was an alcoholic. And he understood that what he was doing was sinful. He, he had the knowledge that what I'm doing is wrong. What I'm doing is self-destructive. What I'm doing is hurting me. It's hurt me in the past. It continues to hurt me. I know it's wrong. And I know it makes me condemned before God. He, he understood those things intellectually. But then he had in his mind this idea of, well, you know, I'm going to quit doing those things, I'm going to clean myself up, then I'm going to live the Christian life. Because I would talk to him and, and witness to him and encourage him to follow Christ, and, and he could not, in his mind, get out of this idea that he's, he's going to do this and clean himself up, and then he can be saved. No! He's going to be saved by the power of God. He needs to repent and trust Jesus, and then God changes him and recreates him. And the, the good news of the gospel is, the, the promise of the gospel is that those who trust Jesus, those who repent of their sins, God will save. And in salvation, you're patterned by God. Secondly, you're purposed for good works. You're remade and you're repurposed. 
It's kind of like the metal worker. I got to see a metal worker in action earlier this year. It was, it was awesome. And this metal worker took essentially what was scrap aluminum. He would go around to recycling places and he would buy their junk aluminum. And it was, it was essentially broken pieces of tools and, and, and stuff that was worthless about to be recycled. He would buy that and he would melt it down and he would remake it and repurpose it. One of the cool things that he remade were swords. I mean, that's a good use of aluminum. But anyway, the, the point is, he would take what was broken, and he, would, he wouldn't just repair it. He totally remade it into something different and repurposed it. And, and it had a new purpose, and that's, one of, that's like the Christian life. When we're saved, not only are our sins are forgiven, but we're now repurposed to do something for the glory of God. We're we're purposed for good works. Look at it in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Notice the creation comes first and then there's a purpose to the creation. The purpose of the creation is good works. That's why it's so utterly inconsistent to say, yes, I've been recreated by God, but then to not do good works. That doesn't make sense because that's the very reason God saved you or one of the reasons he saved you was for the purpose of good works. So what are good works? Well, they're good. The word good could also be translated noble. They are works. They're things that you do in life. They're acts of obedience. Where would you find out about good works? What are good works? Where would you look to try to understand what they are? Well, you'd look in Scripture, of course. Look at at what it says in in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that's the word of God. It's, it's, it comes from God and it's profitable. And notice the purpose in verse 17, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. That scripture equips you for every good work. If you want to know what good works are and how to live them out, you look in the Word of God. This is why for the life of the Christian, we spend our lives reading, meditating, considering what God says in His Word. But you know what? We don't just think about it. We don't just learn it. We put it into action. And that's what this text is about because that's God's purpose. He has purposed us for good works. Now look at what it goes on to say about those good works in verse 10, which God prepared beforehand. Now in this section of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, the emphasis clearly is on God and his work in saving us. This is why when one thinks about salvation, we need to think of God as the subject. God is the actor. God is the one who brings about salvation. And I hope it's clear here that you're created by him. You're created in him. It's a divine work. It's like being brought from death to life. It's the work of God. And friends, all you've got to do is read Ephesians 1 and 2, and you'll see very clearly that's the emphasis and the focus here in speaking to Christians. For you Christians to understand your salvation, you need to understand that it is, it is focused on the work of God. And you'll find that before creation, God was at work. God has existed eternally before he created this world. God existed, and God had purposes and plans. And God planned and purposed for you to be saved. And not only did God plan and purpose for you to be saved, but God also planned and purposed your good works. God didn't just save you for no reason. So your salvation, not only is it planned, but your good works are planned as well. Notice what it says. 
your good works, which God prepared beforehand. The word beforehand is one of these words in your New Testament that refers to what God did before he created anything. It's one of those words. So obviously on one level this is mind-blowing because it's speaking of God and his work throughout all of eternity. But what, it, what is very clear is the good works that we're purposed to do, God prepared for us to do. So good works are a result of God's work, and God is the reason for our good works. So you think about 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not only is grace from God, but the good works that we do are also from God. And this is why he's glorified when we do them. You understand? Our good works don't point to us and say, they don't give us any reason to boast. There's no reason for me to boast in any of the acts of obedience that I carry out because this scripture says God prepared beforehand these good works. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, why in you doing good works in the context of other people and people see the good work that you're doing, whatever it may be, and there's a thousand ways to do good works, and people's response to your doing something is, my goodness, God is great. Because the recognition is You're only doing this because of the work of God. God changed you. God saved you. And a right understanding of those good works is even the good work was prepared by God, which leads you and then all other people who see and witness this to say, my goodness, God is great. Our good works are not about our achievement. That's not why, as a Christian, it's not about look what I did or look at what I've accomplished. It's about God, and this is only possible because of him through Christ. It's only by grace. Now, you say, okay, well, if you take this view that even your good works are prepared beforehand by God, then why does it matter how I live? Or or just some idea of, well, can't I just be passive if God is doing it? Well, friends, because that's not all the Bible says. Read the last phrase of verse 10, that we should walk in them. That's why it would be a false conclusion to assume that this would excuse my obedience or allow me to be passive in doing good works or in living the Christian life. The the, the Bible clearly teaches salvation is by grace, but it also teaches that grace and faith lead to good works. And that's why Not only do we see the good works prepared beforehand, but we also see the pressing necessity of good works in our life. And there's a balance here. There is a pressing necessity of good works. And this is where, again, my prayer and my hope for all of us is there will be a passion among us for obedience and for doing good works. Because a right understanding of the Bible does not and should not lead to passivity. It should lead to passionate faithful obedience, and I'm going to try to explain how. If you think about a public servant, you understand politicians are are intended to be public servants. And a public servant 
who is elected to a position. Think about the weight of being chosen by these people to serve them. That your community chooses you to serve in this role and carry out these responsibilities. How do you, take, how do you approach that work? How should one approach that kind of work? With an urgency and a seriousness and a, and a weight. There should be seriousness in, in, in approaching that work that these people have chosen you to do. Well, my goodness, how much more, if God's chosen you to be saved, prepared good works for you to do, how much more serious and urgent should you be about living out what God says to do? Or you take a politician that's appointed to a position. You understand the president appoints judges. A judge is a very important position in our governmental system. The president is a very important man. Here's a, a person with a lot of power and in a very important position. So the president has power and he's got position and he appoints a judge. How should that judge carry out their work? Should they be flippant about it? Well, it doesn't really matter. No, the power and the position of the one who appointed them should cause them to be diligent and urgent and serious in the way they carry out their responsibility. And how much more for us? Appointed by God. How much more should we be serious and urgent in the way that we serve Him? This is why there should never be a carefree or apathetic approach to serving the Lord, to doing good works, or to obedience. Jesus Himself exposes an inconsistency in this kind of thinking. Really, in all the Gospels. Luke 6.46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? So he's, oppressed, uh, he's approaching people that have a confession. They say Jesus is Lord, but then there's something absent in their life. You, you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say. You see, obedience and good works are expected. They're part of the Christian life. James, James is similar in his letter, especially James chapters 1 and 2. When he says in, in James 1.22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now notice what he says there. A person who is a hearer only is self-deceived. It, it is a misunderstanding of faith. It's a misunderstanding of grace. It's a misunderstanding of salvation. If, if one does not manifest or live out good works. Because again, the good works don't produce salvation. The grace doesn't, the, the grace is not earned by good works, but salvation produces good works, and grace results in good works. Just think about the power of a new creation. Notice what he says here at the end of verse 10, that we should walk in them. We are to be walking in good works. This is a good, are you walking in good works? Is it, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is your life characterized by good works? The li your walk is your manner of life. Is it characterized by good works as defined in the Word of God? Is that what you're living out? Now look at what, look at what salvation does. Look back to Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And notice the transformation that salvation brings about. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in... The the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's what your life was. Your walking was in sins. But now, 
Because of grace, through faith, your, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Notice your walk is different. Your walk is changed because of grace and faith, because of salvation, because of God, because he's remade you. There's a new walk. You're not walking in sin now. Notice you're walking in good works. That's why any understanding of salvation that doesn't include within it the walking, the living out of good works is defective. And it's rampant. <clears throat> what are some good works you could do this week? Now just think about your family. Think about your job. Think about your church. These people that you interact with. You know a good place to start in answering that question that would help us understand this book are Ephesians chapters 4 and 5 because he's, he's going to get real nitty-gritty in Ephesians 4 and 5. He's going to talk about marriage. He's going to talk about your personal interactions with people in the church. He's going to talk about your personal interactions with people in the world. You read Ephesians 4 and 5 and you'll find some rubber meeting the road on how you can live out good works this week. So that's one thing you can do today. But there is a pressing necessity of good works. Now, let me just take a few minutes and try to bring some more clarity about the relationship of grace, faith, and good works. Grace, faith, and good works. Because again, now this is anecdotal, but I think, it, I think it reveals a general problem we have to deal with in the time we're living in now. <clears throat> Somehow, Somehow, and I don't think I have time to go into theories about how this took place, but it's definitely happened. Let me just talk about us as Baptists, because that's what I am. I under, I've, 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 been in the, I've been in Baptist churches my whole life. Um, I've been around Baptists a lot. And I think in, somehow we have failed to explain or to explain well or to train people well about the expectations and implications of grace and faith. I think Baptists generally have done well in emphasizing salvation by faith alone. I think we've done generally poorly at expressing what faith looks like in life, what faith actually is. Because there is a mentality all around us, and, and again, I can just, I know a lot of them are Baptists, but have no involvement in the Christian life, which again is not Christian. And, and essentially they have this idea of why well, I had faith. And, their, and their, their idea about faith is it's just this thing I did when I was like 10 years old. And now I'm good. And then there's no good works in their life, apparently. And they, in fact, not only are there no good works in their life, they don't care. I mean, we had a person on our church role that I had, and that was a person who was a member of this church who told me, you know, I was like, well, why don't you, you should come to, you should come worship God with us in church. The person's response was, I've got something better to do. I've got to clip my fingernails. What? How can you have, how can you be so apathetic toward what God commands and what God expects. Well, I, I think we've not done a good job of explaining the reality of grace and faith leads and necessarily leads 
to the living out of good works. Faith leads to faithfulness. Now, grace and faith precede good works. And again, I think we've been fairly clear on that as Baptists, I hope, at least. Grace is from God, unearned, given freely. It's a free gift. Faith, likewise, given by God because of God's kindness, His mercy. And we've done good on emphasizing that, but I think, I think where Baptists got on, off track, is, I will go into my theory on one of the reasons why we're in this boat and how we've confused people. I think we've had a zeal to, to see people saved, which is a good and right zeal, but, but we've left it at that, and we've not gone on to disciple people and explain to people, well, now there's a necessity of obedience. That's what I mean. Jesus, Jesus being Lord means something. It doesn't mean, well, I can just do whatever I want. Now I got faith, I got my ticket, I'm good to go. That's all that matters. No, that's not the faith. Faith and grace, freely given by God, but they look a certain way in your life. When you're a new creation, you do new things. Your life is transformed and changed. And you can see this all through the scripture. Paul the Apostle is a great example who goes from a, 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 a man plotting murder to a man plotting evangelistic strategies for the world. How does that happen? It's changed by the grace and mercy of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's one of my preaching models, he says this, a person's theology that fails to take fire is a defective theology. That's not why it's just being a Christian is not just about learning a bunch of things. It's about our life being affected by those things. Now, I want to share with you I'll just share with you one verse that I think explains this better than any other verse in Scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. By the way, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, I think is probably the clearest expression of the gospel in the Bible. And then it goes on to the implications of the resurrection and the gospel in our life. And, and, and listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 10. And I think this, this text shows you this this dynamic interrelationship between grace, faith, and good works. This would be a good thing for you to consider. Do I see this in my life? Do I see this in my life? Because you, I, how, do you, how do you look at a person and tell if they've received grace? It's, it's got to be lived out in their life. It's not like you get a sticker. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This is Paul the Apostle speaking, writing. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the way, there's a great mantra for every Christian. I am what I am by the grace of God. It's not an excuse for sin. It's just every one of us are different. Each of us are gifted differently. We're different in a variety of ways. We all have different pasts. But you know what? It's by grace that I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, okay, his grace toward me was not in vain. Okay, so what does grace given to me look like? On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. And by the way, the them there are the apostles. I worked harder than any of them. So you see, grace results in hard work. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in, within me. The grace of God that is with me. Now, do you see how Paul the Apostle is falling over himself to say, it's by grace. I worked hard. 
But that was by grace, lest you misunderstand. But there's, there's no disconnect here between it's only grace without good works or it's grace by good works. No, it's grace that leads to hard work. It's by grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. I worked harder than them, though it was not I. But the grace of God that is with me. So you see, a biblical, a right understanding of grace and faith does not lead to passivity. It doesn't lead to, well, I've, I've got that done, got that box checked, now I'm going to heaven, I'm good to go, now I can get on with my life. That's not the Christian faith. Christian faith is, I've received grace from God. I understand that from reading his word. He has saved me, he has changed me, he's given me a new heart, I've been born again. God is so great, God is a great king over all. In reading his word I see revealed his power, his authority, his majesty, his kingship, his rule. I was dead and he made me alive. I was a foreigner to him and he made me a citizen of his kingdom. I had a different father, namely the devil. And he adopted me. He adopted me. I was a captive. I was a captive. And he set me free. I was a villain on a path walking a certain way. And he made me righteous. Isn't it an amazing story when you see the redemption of a villain? What a great story of villain becoming a good guy and doing good things. That's what God does for the Christian. And in the Christian life, I recognize God is good and he's made me a steward now. And I'm going to give an account to him. How can, how can that lead to, it doesn't really matter how I live. Opposite of that, because of who he is and what he's done, love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my life, my all. He gave his son, Jesus, perfect son, from heaven, exalted with him, at his right hand, sent his son to take on flesh. Jesus became a servant for you. Died, even death on a cross, a torturous, wicked death. Him, him being totally innocent. Died on the cross for our sins. There's no... There's no response to that that is passive or apathetic. It calls for our passion and our zeal to do good works and to walk in them. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your balanced word. God, I just pray it would protect us and keep us in balance, in the boundaries your word sets for us, Lord. That your amazing grace and salvation. It's a gift. The God, that it's a gift that leads us to live a certain way. And God, that you would stir in us passion for you and obedience because of the gift we've received. And God, that we would live out the new nature you've given us. That we would put on the new man created in Christ Jesus for good works. Thank you, Lord, for recreating us for purposing for us good things to do, that, Lord, we can walk as members of your kingdom, and, God, that we can shine as stars in a crooked and wicked generation. 
And God, that we would have an effect on other people because of this changed life, Lord, that you've brought about by grace through faith. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you so much for the clarity and manifest reality of the gospel in so many people's lives, in your word, and then all through history and in this room. That in this room, there are people who've been radically transformed and changed by grace. And it's evident and manifest. Thank you, God, that all of us, we're not what we want to be, we're not what we should be, but by your grace, we're not what we used to be. So thank you, Lord. Help us to sing with thanksgiving because of what you've done. And God, I just pray it would turn into zealous resolve to do good works today, this week, and for the rest of the time you give us in life. In Jesus' name, amen.